Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sickle Cell Podcast again. On today's episode, we actually have an amazing guest, Dr. Marcia Treadwell. And before I start talking a lot about Dr. Treadwell, I think it's fair that I just give you the space, Dr. Treadwell. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and your work within the Sickle Cell community. I'm a clinical psychologist. I got my PhD at the University of Washington in Seattle and uh, came down to Children's Hospital in Oakland for my postdoctoral fellowship in pediatric psychology. From there, I met patients with sickle cell disease and really shifted my focus to working with families and individuals with sickle cell disease from newborn through adult to really address coping and uh, stress management and other challenges that people face. I've moved into research more recently and do a lot of work on uh, quality of life, public health interventions, and perspectives about interventions related to sickle cell disease. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And we've had the lovely opportunity to work with Dr. Treadwell. So I'm super, super excited to have you on this. Um, I think we're just going to dive in. We all know the elephant in the room. Yeah. Good old COVID-19, also called SARS-CoV-2. Um, There's a lot going on with COVID-19 right now. Um, Pretty much everybody here in the U.S. is taking some form of precaution, mostly isolation, and most of us are working from home. So I am curious, Dr. Treadwell, to learn about your personal opinion about this whole COVID-19. Like, what do you think about it overall, especially now that it has been officially labeled as a global pandemic? Well, this is definitely unprecedented in most of our lifetimes And I'm sure that I'm older than both you and Cassandra, and this is just an incredible time. (laughs) The (laughs) the potential loss of life from this virus is real. It's absolutely real. So I, I really urge people to listen to the CDC and the NIH because it can be contained, this can be solved, but it takes everyone working together. I love that. I, I couldn't I couldn't even speak enough to that. Everyone working together. I think the toughest thing with this whole thing is people who are typically very healthy really coming to terms and understanding the impact of their actions compared to you know, other people who are typically ill. And and moving on from that, you know, we do know that with COVID nineteen from the research, we know that the people who are most likely um to be affected and actually have more severe symptoms are the elderly and also immunocompromised individuals, which sickle cell patients do fall under that category. So with your expertise working uh, with the sickle cell population, um, what has been your advice, if any, for the patient population in general? I would definitely urge people to not only follow the recommendations from the CDC and your local public health department and the NIH, also your uh, healthcare provider. So there are now some guidelines related to coming in for well visits. And most of these visits are going to be done by telemedicine. This is new for some people. So if your healthcare provider says, don't come to the hospital, don't come to the emergency room, call me first and let's talk this out, figure out what's going on. 
I would say, please, please listen to your healthcare providers because they're doing that for a reason. They're protecting you, the person with sickle cell disease, and they're protecting other people who may also be immune compromised. So that would be my, my main advice is to follow the advice of the professionals, the scientists, the medical uh, professionals. Agreed. So as you and Stephen are saying, these are some some crazy times and there's definitely a lot of anxiety around. I know I have anxiety as, you know, somebody living with sickle cell disease. Now, there are many people who, I guess, are surrounded by people who aren't realizing the gravity of COVID-19, especially for those who are, you know, in shoes like mine who are immunocompromised. Is it okay to be anxious about what's happening right now? And because there's just a lot of unknowns. It's absolutely okay to be anxious. And you point to an excellent point as to why that can be. And the uncertainty is a big factor. So the anxiety that causes you to take action to protect the health of yourself and others and to be motivated to be socially engaged from a distance to slow the spread of the virus, that's productive anxiety. Anxiety that prompts you to turn off the television or radio when you feel overwhelmed, that's productive. And anxiety that comes from information from trustworthy sources, again, like the CDC, other medical and scientific advisors, that can motivate you to take the needed actions to stay safe. So the bottom line is anxiety is normal and it actually is helpful. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess speaking about anxiety, this is just me personally. I'm just curious. Like, I know you kind of talked about and kind of seen the positive you can get out of anxiety, like, you know, really helping people to take action. But I want to know, is there like a right level of anxiety? Because even for me, I don't have sickle cell and I'm anxious about it, too. Let me say, is there a right level of anxiety for someone to have in, in this time? Well, everybody's different and manifests their anxiety in different ways. But there is anxiety that isn't helpful and that's not productive. So the type of anxiety that really can cause trouble is what's called catastrophizing. And Mm. so what that refers to is when you think like the most negative possible thing can happen and you're just constantly, constantly worried. And if that if you're at that level of anxiety and just can't control those thoughts, you can't concentrate, you can't sleep. That's when it's out of control, and that's when it becomes unproductive and unhelpful. It may uh, paralyze you as far as doing what you need to do to stay healthy. So I don't know. Uh, on the internet, I've seen this uh, a chart that's really interesting about what I can control and what I can't control. Mm-hmm. And I really like it because uh, it has a circle of what I can control. And uh, again, I really like it because it talks about in that circle, again, you can turn off the news, you can... Uh, social distance, you can be kind, you can have gratitude, you can exercise, you can practice good nutrition, you can manage stress. And so you do what you can within that circle. And if the outside of the circle are things that you can't control. So you can't control how long this is going to last. You can't control other people's behaviors. You can't control what you can or cannot find in the grocery store right now, including toilet paper. But that's another story. (laughs) That's crazy. Why toilet paper, though? Well, I can tell you why, actually. Really? It really is. It's it's, it's it's an (laughs) error. What what is People behind that? The psychologist. 
Yeah, what is it? it it's just that it is something that people can control. So, mm. uh, and it doesn't spoil and they can, and at first they could get lots of it. So it just was a way for people to feel like they had control over the situation because they could hunker down for forever, practically with the amount of toilet paper that some people bought. So it's really was a, ma- a way to stay in control. I've seen I've seen things run out, but I never thought that would be one of the things that we would be concerned about. But it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. So in the sickle cell community, we deal a lot with anxiety or depression or even both already just because we're living with a chronic disease. What can we do if our levels of anxiety or our levels of depression worsen during this time? Well, it, it is important for people with sickle cell disease to focus on uh, strategies to deal with anxiety and depression. Yes, people with sickle cell disease are indeed more vulnerable to developing those symptoms. And um, that anxiety and depression, as many of your listeners know, can really contribute to increasing the experience of pain. And in fact, stress can trigger pain. So this is an important time for people with sickle cell disease to, to focus on some tips that can really help. So the first one that I would suggest is to keep some structure in your day. So I would really recommend uh, staying physically active just by taking walks, but still keeping your social distance from others. Mm -hmm. But fresh air and greenery really does people good. Uh, Good nutrition is critical. So not succumbing to unhealthy snacking and only eating fast foods is important. A second way to deal with stress and depression and anxiety is to maintain a positive attitude. And it's not necessarily as hard as it sounds. So if every time you find yourself saying something negative, you turn that into a positive, it's amazing how far that can go. And if you're feeling very overwhelmed and you're outside and you're looking at, you know, spring in California with the flowers and the trees and the, you know, beautiful blue sky, you can be grateful for that. And it does make a difference. There are apps out there that can help. So I don't know if you've heard about the Calm app. Yes. It's not free, but it has, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. but it's a good app <laughs> and it has some good guided meditation soothing music, uh, bedtime stories, but there is a free app called stop, breathe and think. And that has information about mindfulness, um, uh, about meditation and how to do it and how it gives some education about thoughts and how they lead to stress and the effects of stress on the body. So, um, stop, breathe and think is a good app that can help. Okay when you find it hard, actually, to, you know, stay focused on the positive. I have to say, you know, when you're talking about catastrophizing, I hate to admit it, but I'm definitely one of those individuals who thinks the worst of every situation immediately. But I do try and follow that with the alternative, the complete opposite of it to try and balance it out. So that's what has helped me, I guess. It's it's a work in progress for me. Humor is absolutely the best medicine. And I don't know if you guys watch This Is Us, but there's the guy is very anxious on the show and he and his wife will engage in speaking out loud the worst possible thing that could happen. And then when they say it out <laughs> loud, they're like, seriously? That really <laughs> is not going to happen. Right. So it ends up working. That's a good strategy 
that I got from television. <laughs> I'm probably sure I'd get laughed at if I spoke all the stuff that went in my head out loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you have to do it with a trusted person. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I could think of how, so many different things I could just say. Just And I think, like, <laughs> when you think about it, it's like, oh, it's not even that bad. Um, I think for me, even personally now, you know, you talked about all the different ways that individuals with sickle cell could help manage anxiety. I love the apps you mentioned. I'm curious, like, you know, for the families and the support system around individuals with sickle cell, what can these individuals do? Because, you know, of course, I might be dealing with my own anxiety. And then now I have someone around me who has sickle cell, who I might have to even be isolated from. What can the families and the support system do to help the individuals with sickle cell in these times? That is a really excellent question. Uh, I think just helping the person stay engaged I actually go for, quote, walks with my son who lives 20, 20 some miles away, but we get on FaceTime and then we walk together. So him and his city, me and my city, and and we kind of show each other what we're seeing, but just chat while we're walking. And so it does, it it engages us, but it also... um, you know, helps us to be out there in that good, good fresh air. And then I point out to him, oh, here's somebody coming. I'm going to walk six feet away and make sure that we, I don't <laughs> too close to that person. So just helping people to keep that structure, to do those positive things like good nutrition, exercise, uh, hydration, listening to their healthcare provider. Uh, I know it's uh, particularly challenging when we hear that people with sickle cell disease aren't encouraged to come to the emergency room when they're in pain. And I know that people want to avoid the emergency room anyway when they're in pain on the one yeah. hand. But when you when you feel like it's not there, then I think that's pretty scary. So I don't blame people at all for feeling pretty anxious about what am I going to do when I'm in um you know, a lot of pain and really have been encouraged not to come to the emergency room. So what I can say is that I'm involved with a lot of sickle cell providers actually from all over the world. We're, we're pretty small communities. I'm on calls with people from Italy and Ghana and Lebanon, UK, US. And and we, we're talking about um, how the practice in sickle cell is really changing. It's really moving to this telemedicine. Mm-hmm. We aren't sure that everyone's going to feel good about it as a change, but we think it's going to work better in the end for people because you'll be able to get really good care without having to come in and be exposed to, to things like this, you know, and I think it will continue into the future. So my other point about that is is that your healthcare providers are working hard to come up with strategies to support you as well. So when they say, okay, call me first rather than coming to the emergency room, they're as much as possible are going to try to set up alternatives for you so that you can um, you know, come to the day hospital instead of the emergency room. A lot of well visits or, quote, non-essential procedures aren't happening. So there can be an opening for you to come to see your regular provider if you really, really, really aren't feeling well and have them check you out and know that there won't be a big wait. There won't be a lot of people in the waiting room, that kind of thing. So all of the single cell providers are working together to sort all of this out and really give the best care at a time like this. 
And in the end, it may be some new ways of giving care that will continue on even after this. Right. I actually just finished up a telehealth uh, call, like a conference call, and it was pretty productive. You know, we still got to talk a lot about my health. That was definitely productive from the comfort of my home, being able to talk about symptoms and whatnot with my hematologist. I think Dr. Treadwell mentioned this. I think a lot of things are going to change, especially in the healthcare space. I think after this, it's really going to change how healthcare um, Mm -hmm. is approached and find more effective ways. And especially for sickle cell patients who you know, sometimes even being able to have a doctor right away at your fingertips might be more efficient. So now uh-huh. I, I, it's, it's you know, trying to find a silver lining here, right? What's the positive we can take out? I think eventually it's actually going to be something that could even help sickle cell patients get better care, which is an exciting thing if we think about it. Yeah, it's a real silver lining. I agree. So we talked a little about anxiety and, and depression You mentioned it earlier on. We know that with COVID-19, isolation is one of the best ways to help decrease the spread of the virus. But with isolation can kind of bring the feelings of loneliness and depression. What would you suggest to people who are in isolation, who might not have people around them? Or what do you suggest people can do while in isolation? Well, I I do think that it's important to identify at, at at least one person who you really can trust and you don't have to feel like, oh, I don't have 10 friends or I don't have 20 friends. If you have one friend or one sibling or, you know, one aunt or uncle, all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's good to have more, but it's, it's great to have one person who's really, really trusted and someone who you share and support one another. The millennial generation is the generation that has more uh, interaction across social media. And everyone's being encouraged or has to do that now. So, um, you know, FaceTime and Skype and Zoom and other social media, um, we're all doing that now and we have to and make it work, you know, just uh, make sure that it's a real sharing and I, I know now that all of the, my meetings at work start with a, a check-in. And, you know, whereas before we would just dive into the business at hand, yeah. now everyone asks not just about the business at hand, but about how are you doing? How's your family doing? And I think that human connection is actually, I feel like it can be just as strong even across a, a distance or using FaceTime, you know, just kindness mm-hmm. uh, that can really make a difference. I agree. I've been doing a lot of FaceTiming. I'm one of six kids, so uh, (laughs) we have our our family FaceTime and we find that we can still have a a fun time, even though we're not physically together. Yeah, I did the same thing with my six brothers and sisters. Oh, you too? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. I I think I need to get on that. Now I feel like Yeah. (laughs) So what are some general tips that you have for the sickle cell disease population and even the general public to help remain calm and level headed during this time? And are there any additional resources to um, what you mentioned already with the app that you would suggest or recommend to people who may need additional support than what was mentioned previously? A type of therapy that's called cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. and it's really helpful for um, lots of things, anxiety, depression, pain, sleep. 
And what cognitive behavioral therapy does, it really works on the principle that uh, psychological challenges are based in part on unhelpful ways of thinking. So notice that's been kind of a thing we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And those unhelpful thinking can lead to negative feelings and also learn patterns of behavior that's not so helpful. So cognitive behavioral therapy uh, actually has been shown to help people learn better ways to cope. And it can lead to relief from symptoms. And it actually is quite effective in leading to relief from symptoms. There are free audio sessions of cognitive behavioral therapy available at audible.com. And these sessions were put together by a psychologist at UCSF. So it is reliable. And that's another piece I'll say, always try to look for reliable sources of information. Um, Don't just listen to everything that comes in. (laughs) So uh, Dr. Satterfeld at UCSF created a a series of audio sessions that, again, you can get on audible.com. And there is also an app for insomnia that's based in cognitive behavioral therapy, um, where it does help with Uh, developing positive sleep routines. It has an educational piece, learning about sleep and how to improve your sleep environment. Now, um, these these things online in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, if your symptoms are really severe, you need to seek an actual counselor. But if your symptoms are more mild, or if you want to learn about it before you dive into working with a therapist, then, you know, these are some ways that you can use an app or this audible.com to learn a little bit more about it. Then you can look into finding a therapist. But I would definitely advise people to see a psychologist or counselor or social worker if you have very severe symptoms that are very disruptive of your life, or if you just feel like you want to, I mean, it doesn't have to be that severe. You can feel like, you know, I need to talk with someone. Yeah. Sometimes friends and families may be a little bit not on the same page. It's mm-hmm. great when they are, but sometimes another way to deal with isolation or loneliness might be to talk it out with a therapist who can help you figure out what some of the barriers are in your life to uh, getting the support that you need. So of course, if you do have any life-threatening mental health emergencies, call 911 or go to the emergency room for that. There are crisis lines and crisis services. And so I don't want to minimize for anyone that mental health problems are real. They can become serious and out of control. And so people need to keep an eye on that. But if things are for the most part under control and, and you're just stressed out, as we all are at this moment in history, then I think these apps and strategies can really help us survive and cope. That's good advice. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I, I like that. You know, like you talked about mental health, typically we don't want to talk about it a lot, even now, even in the civil community. But I think especially with this time, it's very important that we really stress that. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned when you started talking about CBT was um, insomnia, which I'm glad you mentioned. Um, I think it's important to mention here that, you know, we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about depression and all these different things. With sickle cell disease, what's really interesting is all these things that we're talking about, most of them, you know, when they have such a high effect on the patient, that can actually even put a patient even into a crisis or even exacerbate a symptom they, they might be having, which is why we're actually spending time talking through all of these things and really talking about how we can um, help patients, you know, manage all of these things. 
I want to go circle back to insomnia because, you know, I've heard patients even talk about something called pain insomnia, where they can't even sleep because they're in pain. And I'm glad you provided those great tips, you know, about using these apps, even talking to therapists to really help people manage all these symptoms. Um, when it comes to sleep, specifically for sickle cell patients, what are some other things that patients can do right now to really help them have an effective sleep? Because I know that if you have good sleep, that can help your health. I'm actually curious to hear more about that. Oh, sure. The first thing during this uh, moment in time is really to wind down from COVID-19. So don't try, but don't be watching, you know, CNN and then try to go to sleep. <laughs> Give yourself one <laughs> to two hours, <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> give that. yourself some time in between. Yeah, I know. <laughs> give yourself some time in between all of that news uh, and do something more calming and relaxing. Yeah. Believe me, that news will be there in the morning. <laughs> it, it will be there. Very, very true. Um, I think something that people can fall into is sometimes people will, you know, that glass of wine can be helpful to fall asleep, but but then you wake up, uh, you know, before your cycle is complete. So it's not a good idea. It's so close to bedtime. And then some people, including myself, <laughs> can't drink caffeine <laughs> yeah. later in the day. And don't forget, that's not just coffee, but also sodas and energy drinks. And then I, I know people with sickle cell disease really, you know, the pain meds can get your sleep cycles thrown off. Um, so you, you know, you almost can't not sleep during the day, but it's important to try not to, because if you do that, whether the physical activity is gentle or vigorous, that can disrupt you during the day falling asleep and then you'll sleep better at night. Structure is good for, um, insomnia. Um, so going to bed close to the same time, even on the weekends and getting up close to the same time with the pain, use the meditation, relaxation, self-massage or massage from someone else else. And if you really can't fall asleep, you, you should get out of bed for a while and just do something relaxing. And that means don't turn the news back on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe yoga might be a better option. <laughs> That's so helpful. Thank you so much for providing all of these useful tips and something constructive for us <laughs> that are constantly worrying about, you know, how this is going to affect our lives and affect our mental health and anxiety and whatnot. So for more information about COVID-19 and sickle cell disease, be sure to follow us on social media for updates. And also, there's a really great resource on uh, sicklecelldisease.org for more information. Thank you once again, um, yeah. Dr. Treadwell, for really spending this time with us and, and really going through these things, which I can't speak enough how important it is for patients and caregivers, healthcare providers, and, and the general public to be aware of all of these things. Um, for me, one of the things that I learned from you today was um, when you talked about, I think it's called catastrophic or catastrophizing yeah. anxiety. Catastrophizing. Yeah, yeah. see, I, I might have to spell that out. I think for me, even though I can't spell it, my biggest goal is to try and stay away from that. I think it's a big deal here. And, you know, we spend a lot of time right now talking about all the different things that we need to do while in isolation. Like, you know, we talk about washing our hands, avoid traveling and all the different things we need to do. But also mental health is also important in this time. So thank you so much. And I want to I want to end by reminding all our audience that once again, all this information is really, really for educational purposes only. And I always talk about individualized medicine. So each person is different. You know, Dr. Treadwell talked about 
if things really get bad, you might have to actually see a therapist just for yourself. So really all of this is really for educational purposes only. And once again, thanks for listening and follow us on our social media platforms and we'll catch you all next time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me.